and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Vertigo, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring James Stewart and Kim Novak. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? When you said Vertigo, I started thinking about the time that we were at summer camp and you had to stand on that pole, you know what I'm talking about? And jump for the trapeze thing. Did you ever do that? Uh, yeah, the stand on the pole. Are you talking it was, about the the big it was, the bean thing where you jump and then you, no, you fling no, someone no, no, out? No, 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 no. There was some high ropes course thing that we did. I don't oh, know if you went oh, to oh. it. I do. Kn- I think I do know what you're talking about. Okay, and you have to climb like this straight pole, and it's like not too bad halfway through. But then the hardest part is when you get to the top, you're fine. Then they're like, okay, just stand on that. And that's where it gets really bad because, like, you're trying to. There's a moment where you have to, like, release, like, one of your uh, one of your feet like onto the pole and you have no grip if that makes sense you have to fully stand um and your harness it doesn't matter if you fall but everyone's always like oh shoot so i just had a quick flashback to that and i was like oh now i'm spiraling but i'm (laughs) i I am good i've had a pretty um caffeine fueled monday cameron how about you Mm. Uh, no, pretty good too. I've had a much slower Monday than you probably, but, uh, it's been, been good overall. Uh, I did, I did just finish watching this movie like 10 minutes ago. So that's my, the hecticness of my weekends. I feel like I'm you like six months ago or oh, eight yeah. months ago, whatever. Yeah. How's um, it feel? How's it feel to, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, you know, we're like right at the starting stages of it. So that's kind of. Uh, I'm not sure I've I've fully uh, you know jumped into it yet, but I do f- I do feel like that a little bit, and I know this this weekend is going to be going to be hectic. So <laughs> yeah, no, I I will say as far as because you're referring wedding planning stuff, as far as that goes, the beginning is kind of pretty bad, and then there's that middle beginning that's like the worst. <laughs> and for the dude at least the closer you get to it there's a moment where like you're like there's nothing going on you're just the emotional support thing <laughs> that's like the better part of it so you'll yeah, get there yeah. don't worry um no yeah I, no but it, it's hard to feel like it, it basically is that feeling of like how did people how do people do this how do people do this you know uh, yeah. on top of juggling other things i just want to say i know that i've been absent for a couple episodes this year but I'm I'm impressed with myself, Cameron. If you have to go missing for a little bit, I get it. You know, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think you. I think we with all of the hectic uh, tur- twists and turns that have happened in this year, we're still chugging along. I mean, yeah, we we have we've missed a few episodes, but I do feel like we're we're going strong, especially for something that is pretty much just a uh, a relaxing thing for us to do it's like a basically a movie club for <laughs> our own whimsy so uh you know that's that's just an it's it's good that we get to do that because i do think sometimes it is relaxing even though sometimes you know you, you get to the end of the week you're like oh man i gotta watch a movie but then most of the time well not most of the time a lot of the times it'll be a movie that's interesting and that makes you re-interested in in the the movie making process and so i i do find value in that so yeah i mean i agree with you cameron i think that's a great way of describing our personal process with the show (laughs) because i i i think that um i don't know maybe maybe that's why our podcast has leaned more into a positive spirit instead of that 
original experimental <laughs> like kind of orientation that we had uh, yeah. towards the beginning of the show is because there are, honestly even if we had a list of all great movies to get through we still wouldn't get through all of them by the time we're dead if we did the show so yeah exactly. uh, i feel like there's uh, at the one week pace you know i'm not saying there's not going to be some stinkers in there cameron i know you're you're preparing something <laughs> um but uh yeah it is it it does feel like we have just been like watching classics and i think this movie um is definitely in that list of classic films that you should see although i have you know further thoughts on that but before we get into it cameron what have you been watching this uh this last week yeah, so I just watched, uh, it's called The Fablemans, and you just, I, I brought this up to you before we started rolling, and you were like, wow, isn't it shocking that there's a new Spielberg movie out and nobody knows what it is? Uh, <laughs> and that's sort of true. The, the Fablemans is not really getting that much press or a great box office uh, situation right now, but I do, to, to be honest, and this is what me and Juza were talking about, I, I saw it with him. We were saying that Spielberg has so much cachet, I think, with studios that he can pretty much do whatever he wants for the rest of his life and probably be fine, which is which is interesting because there's not I don't think there are a lot of directors like that. I don't think there are a lot of directors who have that much swing, even someone uh, who we would consider to be great. You know, all of the greats, even someone like Alfred Hitchcock, actually. You know, his sort of later years is, is you know, kind of some of the tail end stuff. You know, someone like Billy Wilder, too. They get to mm. be old and, and kind of, you know, fall away a little bit from, from the Hollywood machine and people sort of move on. But I do think Spielberg, you know, growing into his, his almost 80s, I think he's 76 uh, this year, He's someone who has made so much money for both Universal and Disney and many several of the the major studios that I do think he can do pretty much whatever he wants at this point. So if he wants to make a two and a half hour movie about his childhood uh, that's like semi-autobiographical, I think he can do that, no problem. And if it flops at the box office, well, at least it was great. And I will say it was great. I really loved it. So plus that studio is probably like, hey, we can make bank when this guy kicks the bucket. So, <laughs> well, I mean, Univer- <laughs> so Universal put it out, and you got to remember, Universal he made Jurassic Park for, um, and Jurassic Park has not only you know had its own humongous success back in 1993 when it came out or whatever 1991 maybe. Um, but it ha- it has gone on to be a revival franchise that you know in the 2010s has made another probably billion dollars for Universal. So uh, whether or not Spielberg, <laughs> you know, is a huge success, bringing bringing you know ticket sales back to Universal right now, they kind of owe him something. I feel like so. Mm. Yeah. Plus, I figure Spielberg can kind of be like, well. What do I want to make? And then he and he'll just go to the first studio and say, "Hey, I want to make this movie. If you don't want to fund it, I can just go to the next one." And I'm sure at the at this point where content is like studios are hungry for content, right? As they try to support these streaming services, a, a name like Spielberg has got to be like 
of course. Like, this is not going to be something bad. You know? Yeah, you'd think, uh, but it, it. I'm surprised at the sort of turn in and how studios are approaching, like you said, because of because of the the rise and prevalence of streaming services. I don't know that movies are really the number one priority at the moment for a lot of studios. Just speculation, but I do I do think we'll we'll start to see more TV shows for one because I I do think people, especially streaming TV, a lot of these. <laughs> This is this is a terrible story, but I watched. Jesus is gonna make fun of me so hard for this. Um, I watched a. Uh, do you know the Santa Claus? <laughs> that movie. <laughs> um, yes. I watched the first the pilot episode of the Santa Clauses, which is just an awful, awful, uh, straight to Paramount Plus or whatever or Disney Plus um, uh, streaming miniseries, and it is so cheap. It's so budget, and you could just tell like there's no love making this movie, making this this miniseries. But you know the fact that it, they can make it for you know relatively cheap when it when compared to a movie it probably has Disney being like, yeah, we'll just throw some money at it, and you know if it's terrible, it's terrible, but it's content, you know, and people will watch it for Christmas, you know, and and we right. got Tim Allen back, so you know whatever, <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it is crazy. I I just wonder where movies sit in that this current environment. The only reason I want to continue talking about it is because I heard that Weird Al movie is really good, mm-hmm. um, but it's just. It's on Roku streaming service, which nobody has heard of or ever touched, right? right? And yet, I think um, because the movie is so good, from what I've heard, although I haven't seen it, maybe I'm wrong, um, people actually talk about it, right? So I still think at the end of the day, quality is quality. And with Spielberg, you know, even though nobody's heard of it yet, there's always a chance that something like that that's successful is going to find a cult following over the years and... Oh yeah, pull. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it yeah. will. And and uh like with West Side Story, which I think yes. massively bombed, uh, but was so excellent, you know, people people didn't go see it when it came out, but I, I do think it will have an audience for many years to come. No, most definitely, most definitely. Anything else, Cameron, that you've been watching? Um no, but I do wanna mention now <laughs> um s- s- do you know about sight and sound? Uh, sight and sounds, you know, every, I think it's every decade, every decade since 1952, they've come out with a new poll of critics and directors and they sort of rank, uh, their, the, the greatest movies of all time. And so many, many, uh, this is kind of relevant to our own, um, uh, show today because Vertigo has been at the top for the last 10 years. Uh, before that, it was C- Citizen Kane. Um, and now this year, because it's 2022, um, there was a brand new uh, poll. There was a brand new critics poll and director's poll. And at the top of the critics poll um, is a is a little, little known to me. Uh, maybe other people know about this movie. But a little known movie called John Dealman. Um, and it is a French movie. Uh, it is directed by Chantel Ackerman, um, and 
I had never heard of this movie before <laughs> before this uh, this poll came out, and it and it shot up from I think like thirty second place all the way to the top uh, this year, which seems oh, no. um, inorganic just, to me. But I don't know. I just uh, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. I really I don't want to watch this. And really, um, nothing to do with and French yeah, movies. Yeah, and I I feel like it might be in our future uh, oh, to watch Lord. this movie. Oh Lord. Um, because it is, it is relevant. It's in the conversation now. I mean, what a terrible sounding movie, to be honest. It, it's a, uh, three hour French movie about a woman, uh, uh, peeling potatoes and doing laundry and stuff. That's, that's what this movie is. Um, so it's content. It's content. One of these streaming services has to pick it up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I you can rent it on Amazon Prime, but uh but the You j- can you can rent it, Cameron. Go ahead. The <laughs> well, it will be I think we'll I think we're going to have to put it on the list. I think we might. Um because If I'm watching this, you're sitting with me. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay. I'm not going to watch this on my own. Let's I'll watch it, it with yeah, you. Let's do it. But let's do it. Um I mean, what a what a disaster. Okay. You go from this movie, which I think is a great movie. <laughs> Actually, you know, spoilers for my my thoughts about this movie. Um, to I haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen it yet. But to John Dealman, a uh, uh, a mundane uh, p- p- uh, movie, three hour movie about a French lady doing chores. Um, just uh, I just imagine you read the description as <laughs> a mundane film following a French lady doing chores. <laughs> it's like already written in. People are like, wow. So self-aware, so incredible. Yeah, um, I mean, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Let's that's... talk about a movie that is most definitely not boring, which is something I watched this week. Okay. Um, I was in the mood to watch something sci-fi, and Juliana hates sci-fi movies, so I forced her to watch a bunch of movies, like at from the beginning, and within ten minutes, she was so disengaged that I was like, okay, fine. We're going to watch something you like, Juliana. And Juliana likes zombie movies. And so I was like, we're wow. going to watch a zombie show or something. And um, we ended up watching Shaun of the Dead. Mm, great. Directed movie. by Edgar Wright. 2004, I would say ahead of the curve, ahead of the zombie thing. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, what a fantastic movie. I think the one thing I really pulled away from it, although I've already seen it, is that Edgar Wright has that charisma in his characters where you just don't want to stop hanging out with them. Uh, and I feel like that is like one of the most difficult things to do with characters in film is most of the time I find myself being like, okay, like I'll see where this goes or I'm kind of like semi interested in what's happening. Um, but there could literally be nothing happening on in an Edgar Wright movie. And it still feels super engaging. Uh, from that incredible opening sequence where he goes to work, like the quick cuts with brushing the teeth, the argument about shutting the door. And then he <laughs> like, like, I love that scene where the kid kicks the soccer ball, like at his head. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at him. He's like, you're dead. And it's just like all these weird, like, yeah. like weird di- dialogue decisions around zombie movies. Super meta. If you haven't seen it, um, I just feel like it's hard to hate that movie. So just oh, yeah. go watch it and have fun, you know? Um, and of course Juliana watched it because it was 
sci-fi enough for Has her. Has she seen it before? Um, I think we have watched it, but she didn't remember any of it. So mm-hmm. maybe she didn't watch it the first time. She watched it. Train Train to Busan with you, right? Yeah, yeah. And she, she liked, liked that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um we we think... kind of we went through the Korean stuff together actually oh. and and so we talk about the Korean movies a lot. I didn't watch Old Boy with her. I think I watched that with you, Cameron. Uh, um, no, we didn't watch it together. I don't think I so. watched it either with you or alone. Maybe Tim. And and oh, maybe Tim. And then I watched um Memories of Murder with Glenn. And he loved that movie. And he hasn't seen Parasite or anything like that. But he was like, that movie was so good. And um, so, yeah, I think of uh, Korean film a lot, actually, still mm. to this day. Um, shout out to Ranch 99. I went, <laughs> I went there and got a bunch of, it's not it's not primarily Korean, but I got some Korean beer. It was really good. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I watched that. And then Juliana's been watching the show called This Is Us. Uh, I guess if you care about streaming services, like Hulu was like a dollar or something, a dollar to sign up. They're just begging for you to sign up or something. Um, She uh, really likes the show. This is us. I watched some of it. I can't take it. I absolutely hate the show. Um, Maybe I'm just not mature enough, but I just cannot stand it. I, I think it's like crying simulator or something. I don't know what's going on, but there was literally a part where, this divorced woman is dating this guy. And then he was like, yeah, I'm only dating you. Cause my wife got hit by a bus. And then <laughs> at that point I was like, I can't take, this is too funny. Like, it's just funny. I don't know. Like what's even happening. Like these people are living in, I don't know. Maybe I, I maybe there's like some mega twist ending where they're like, Oh, you know, suffering. Why are we here? I don't know. Um, but yeah, not a big fan of that. Other than that, I haven't been watching anything uh, seriously at all. So, Cameron, of course, we're not. We're going to talk about the movie that the title of this episode is about. This is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get a couple benefits like writing questions on the show. You can find all the information there. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can just give us a rating here. Share the show. All that stuff helps our small production keep going. And we appreciate all of you guys that listen, even if you're just listening for free. Uh, you're supporting small creators. And we're just happy with that. We're cool with that. So uh, who knows? Maybe someday Cameron and I will have a supervillain moment and quit our jobs and create a mega corporation. Uh, and you guys are at the beginning of that. So uh, <laughs> Cameron, uh, swing us into vertigo. You just look annoyed. You just didn't <laughs> like that. You didn't like that at all. We're going to, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely going to create a mega corporation. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be that just capitalist overlords that is us. i can't wait to oppress all of my worker all of my employees no breaks no bathrooms you have to pee in the litter box <laughs> that's me that's that's who i am <laughs> the way you laugh i, I might be convinced mm. i don't know <laughs> you just <laughs> it's not that funny but just, I'm watching your reaction and I, I think that's what makes it more funny to me I'm not sure what it is but okay <laughs> Vertigo let's go yes Vertigo so one of at the time this was a not very liked Hitchcock movie which I find pretty surprising though um, it was kind of later into his career 1958 um, I would say you know, his main career, Hitchcock's main career was between the 
late 30s and the probably mid 60s. So this was kind of towards towards that tail end. But to be fair, um, this is kind of an unusual movie, I think, in, in some ways. It is kind of a longer movie for movies of the time, 1958. Um, though, you know, not quite as long as something like Gone with the Wind, which is kind of an epic picture, you know. And, and it has has the smaller scale of a shorter movie, but the length of, of a little bit longer movie, uh, or a little bit more ep- epic movie. Um, now... When it came out, uh, yeah, people didn't really like this this movie that much. And I, I was reading that this was one of five movies that was actually um, lost, quote-unquote. And the the lost element of it is he he kind of tucked this away from, from general distribution. He owned the rights to distribute this movie, Hitchcock himself. Um, and so when he when he passed, he gave it to, uh, to his daughter and... I believe after that it was able to be, you know, sort of resurfaced because of that. But before that, there wasn't really any distribution, you know, home distribution. And this movie didn't get a lot of play after its original run. So um, it wasn't kind of until the the 80s and 90s with home home video um, that this movie kind of came back into the into the forefront as a classic Hitchcock uh, film and one of his his very best. And so. Uh, you know, this, this movie, we actually, the, the only other Hitchcock movie that we've seen on the show is Psycho, uh, which, which came out in 1960. So a couple years after this, but, um, this movie I had never seen before. Uh, and, uh, to be honest, like I said last time, I'm not a huge Hitchcock person as in, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Not that I don't like the ones that I have seen, but, uh, for me, he's kind of just been a rabbit hole that I haven't explored that much, um, you know, with with my my film viewing. Um, and so Vertigo follows the, the uh, uh, San Francisco detective who um, is, you know, kind of at the at the end of his career. Uh, he has an accident. He watches someone, you know, his his partner or just a cop uh, fall to his death from a from a high height and is kind of left uh with a bit of fear and you know as the name suggests vertigo from uh his fear of heights and uh that's kind of affected his career uh negatively and so he he ends up getting out of it uh but gets involved with a uh man who's trying to investigate some strange behaviors from uh his wife and so the story kind of follows this uh at first you know, potentially supernatural uh, theme of his wife kind of being possessed by a uh, someone who is, uh, I guess, um, possessed by the spirit of someone who has lived in the past. Um, and she she displays these strange behaviors, but he kind of has a uh, wistful romance uh, with with this woman who's afflicted by these things. And the movie kind of changes from from then on out, um, and yeah, I, I uh, personally, for this being my first time seeing it, 
Um, for one, I had no idea really what it was about. So, so I, I was able to come in blind, even though I feel, I do feel like this is a movie that could be easily spoiled probably. Um, and I really was surprised at the, at some of the twists and turns that happened in this movie. Um, and I really loved kind of the direction that it goes in, especially the last, uh, probably hour or so, um, when things kind of pick up steam a little bit, um, and, you know, in many ways, the the movie is very classically, you know, 50s Hollywood. It has a lot of the interesting settings of, you know, San Francisco and, and this this sort of beautiful backdrop of, of of these things. And it was it was pretty interesting because, you know, being from San Francisco, there's a lot that is very familiar and there's a lot that uh, is real. And, you know, even some of the apartments and that kind of thing, you know, these are not really I mean, they're probably sets to some degree, but a lot of these sets are you know on location things and and really beautifully shot and and beautifully portrayed so um yeah so i i found this movie to be very interesting and i loved the the ending i thought uh you know basically you know everything in the last hour i thought was really excellently done um and you know kept kept my my attention the whole time uh but isaac what did you think of this movie yeah, I wanted to just kind of bounce off what you're saying about San Francisco in the 50s uh, before getting into my opinion. I think watching this movie, especially if you've been to Northern California and you've seen um, San Francisco and been around the city for a little bit, like it's quite incredible to watch a film like this. It's shot in Technicolor. Um, I, I watched the the colored version i didn't know if you could watch one that wasn't but no i don't think there um, is one that's not it's colored. it's gorgeous i that's i i really um was amazed about how even when they're on set shooting like in the car right the background is you know rear projection. obviously <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. A, a projection it's still footage shot in san francisco mm -hmm. so you still get like that city tour feel and uh, the set locations are really cool, like you were saying. So, um, fun fact, to see the Legion of Honor was awesome. My engagement photos were actually in front of Legion of Honor. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was it was amazing to, like, watch this movie and be like, oh, my goodness. Look yeah. at that. Like, I love the Legion of Honor. It's really cool. Um, check it out if you haven't been over there. But, yeah, I just I wanted to second that. I thought that was one of the main points I wanted to talk about that, I think fueled some of the enjoyment of this movie. I found this film to be um, really good. I don't know if I would say like it's my favorite and I felt a similar feeling to my reaction to the other Hitchcock movie that I watched where it was like, there's something about this movie that's surprisingly uh, engaging and modern despite it being so old. Uh, there's something about it that feels a lot like a roller coaster, but Something about a roller coaster when you get off of the ride is like somewhat like unfulfilling. And that is how I sort of feel about Hitchcock mm -hmm. um, where I watch his movies and the ride finishes and I'm kind of like, okay, you know, like that is, that is just 
all in all, fine and good. But I will say, compared to Psycho, I like this a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think that it has a... Um, I, I, I just think that, like, some of the mystery and the turns, like, have you more... Um, I don't know. Like, I think more entertained is probably the best way to put it. Especially the last 10 minutes where it leans, I think into a direction you really didn't yeah. expect, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it feels very much like a Hitchcock movie at the end too. Um, and I, I thought that like, I don't know. I, I was just kind of like, I, I felt like I was waiting for something to be said because I think that some of the, supernatural elements actually play a large like part in a conversation that could have been dived into um because there are some pretty mature themes in this movie ideas around suicide uh legacy right um kind of remembering the past and i guess i'll kind of get into some of the spoilers without breaking any of the twists and turns but uh the wife that the the investigator is is looking at she's you get the sense pretty early on that she is kind of like either obsessed with someone that's dead, but then she like is kind of like acting as if she's um, in control. Like, like she thinks she is that person, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, And so there's something kind of like um, ghostly about watching a spirit, move through a place that they once were and they're not noticed they're not there and they're separated from it completely and kind of like the remnants that are left behind from the paintings that were in the legion of honor that she's looking at to the gravestone it kind of feels apocalyptic at moments at least emotionally to Mm -hmm. me where you're witnessing her like walk through the city and you're like man like it feels like she's like she's very much gone and disconnected um and you know like the 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 ghost element or the supernatural element kind of plays out in its own exciting way yeah um well, but it, i think it's an, it's an th- interesting sequence uh because it it kind of happens like 15 minutes into the movie you know this is right, like right. your opening to her character is this sort of sequence of her walking around kind of recreating the uh the elements of of this past woman and he, and he's, you know, picking it up, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll later figure out why, you know, he's able to, to do that. But, um, you know, just the, the interesting part about that sequence is she is so, she's so, um, uh, she seems so disconnected and you, you never meet her until, you know, almost an hour into the movie. I think it's, it's like 45 minutes into the movie. Um, she doesn't really, you don't get introduced to her. You're kind of, peering out at her um you know watching her do these things uh curious at at what she's doing yeah i i think that as i mean i guess that is a minor spoiler but as he's putting together those pieces and that's what he's supposed to do he's trying to figure out like if there's something more to what she's doing right um like there i felt like there were some ideas that could have been explored in that space um about legacy and 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, and obviously, like themes around depression and suicide, like which I think are very serious topics for a '50s like kind of blockbuster movie. I can kind of understand why um, people might have not enjoyed this film because I think that there are some serious elements that um, I. Uh, I'm trying not to spoil anything. That's why I'm kind of hiccuping. But I feel like maybe some of the serious elements um, are chalked up to something kind of hokey, like like the supernatural element of the ghost, um, you know, the ghost made her do it or something like that. You know, like there's like these weird little bits that I felt like kind of had this Hollywood flair of drama um, that were by all means, like, I guess fun and entertaining, but there was also like, um, you know, it's a serious subject. I think there's a part of me that was kind of like, are they going to get into anything like that? And they don't really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think, you know, his character is pretty interesting, especially the the shift towards the, the end of the movie Um, because that, you know, he, he does, deal with his own sort of um not just in the beginning his his guilt of you know witnessing the the cop fall and 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 die you know he does he's kind of experiencing that throughout the movie but um by the end of the movie he's also experiencing another type of guilt um and one that is probably a little bit uh well, it's a, it's more personal to to him, and so you know, as you're, especially you know, when you don't know where the story is going, as you're witnessing him him sort of deal with this in what we all would say is the really wrong way to go about, uh, uh, you know, recreating essentially, you know, the things that are haunting him. Um, I do think in some ways it's a it's a bit of a comment about. Um, about that kind of of guilt or that kind of depression, melancholy um, of, you know, reliving a certain, you know, instead of her who, you know, there's no real explanation of, I mean, there is, but, but if you're taking her character at face value at the very beginning, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't seem to have a, um, a clear expl- explanation of, of why she's doing what she's doing, but she is sort of experiencing a certain amount of trauma and and probably uh, going through something that is um, deeply unsettling to her and and retreating back to this, um, you know, pr- either pretending to be someone else or, you know, obsessing about someone else. Um, but he is obsessing about um, you know, these, these last few moments that are completely haunting him. And it's a very sad and, and kind of, it's a devastating thing to watch a little bit because you're, you're seeing him sort of go down this, this terrible kind of crazed rabbit hole, um, that, you know, presumably you're, you've seen, uh, Madeline go down, uh, originally. You know, so there is something. I think there is something interesting about about his character early on, um, uh, or sorry, later later in the movie when it when it comes to that that kind of mental health issue. Um, so. Well, I do think there's a massive props to even if it didn't 
connect with me on some kind of emotional level. I found that the film, you know, was in- enjoyable and entertaining and and um I did notice how well the structures of the film played into each other from the opening moments of uh, showing the detective's trauma to kind of almost a hero's journey with that, where, um, you know, he has to face up against that a few other times and how, you know, he deals with it. Um, I think plays really well with some of the um, absurdity that comes about towards the end of the movie. Like it, it kind of, and then that's why I compared it to a roller coaster is that it kind of like feels like it's stacking up and up and then it's like over very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something magical about that in a film where you're watching it and you're kind of like, Oh wow. Oh wow. Oh wow. You know, like over and over <laughs> yeah. again. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you really like, I mean, I think about other Technicolor movies that I've seen. They're not like this, you know, they're not like what Hitchcock does. Um, garbage gone with the wind right like that is so like that is not oh wow that's like please end that's like what you're saying you're like sure, please be sure. like done with this right well this is a much more uh, thrilling and enjoyable experience than god oh yeah end. no definitely definitely <laughs> um so overall like i i will say like vertigo i i think is is very good um i still have that inkling where I'm like, I'm not a massive Hitchcock fan. I don't know if I understand it. I feel like if, if I was of that time, you know, in the fifties, liking Hitchcock would have a cult power in a way where you're like, not only do I like movies, but I like movies that are ahead of the curve and they're on that next level. Mm -hmm. Even the way I feel about a, a director I talked about earlier, Edgar Wright, it's like, well, I know that director's name. And if I bring him up in a movie conversation, most people don't know who I'm talking about. And I'm so like proud to like love that director because you watch his movies and it's like, dang, like, you know, like that, that's not like most movies that I watch, you sure. know? Um, and I think Hitchcock probably had that kind of power um, in the past, or at least that's the perception I get watching it. Uh, now I just do think that time has, you know, or, or the mediums come so far, uh, that it seems, um, good, but still, I don't want to say this, but like Hollywood standard, you're like, wow, that's like a old school Hollywood movie. That's really good, you know? And it doesn't do anything that, made it made me want to say you guys need to go watch this movie today even though it's a classic it's kind of personally i was like it's a classic for a reason if you want to watch a classic you're gonna get one that is somehow still um enjoyable uh but it's not like you know you talk about wilder it's like it's not like that Oh, like Wilder, like yeah. means something, you know, like that. Th- those movies are like you should watch that in school, kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it's, whereas it's I th- hard. I and I do think I think you're right about something in that um, that Hitchcock is a little bit more entertainment forward, and I think sure. Wilder to some degree was, especially in some of his more um, <laughs> uh, comedy forward movies. Uh, f- funny, actually, Kim Novak stars in one of Wilder's 
um, less loved movies called uh, <laughs> called Kiss Me Stupid, which I actually like. I think it's, um, you know, people think it's terrible. I don't think it's terrible. Uh, it's not his best movie or anything, but um, it, it is just funny that there's, you know, that's a, um, a little a little crossover, a little wilder uh, Hitchcock crossover. Um, but I I do I do think you're right in some ways that um, that Hitchcock. I I read a quote about him and this movie about Kim Novak questioning. She was questioning like a, a character motivation, uh, you know, or something. And, um, <laughs> and Hitchcock was basically like, "Don't uh, don't think about it too much. It's it's a, it's just a movie, you know." <laughs> like he, that's that's basically his answer was like, "We're here to entertain. We're going to entertain." Um, it's not supposed to be that serious. Uh, it's, you know, it's really just a movie. And I think his attitude in, in a lot of ways was what would be the most thrilling for the audience or what would be the most yeah. entertaining for the audience. And I think, to be fair to to him, I for one, I don't know that a lot of people were doing that, thinking about it in in those sort of granular terms. I think I think a lot of people had this this conception that Okay, what's most thrilling, especially in the fifties? I mean, the fifties was kind of a poor time for for Hollywood. They were, you know, people were like, okay, what is what is thrilling for an audience? It's like big sets, big, you know, uh, big movie stars. We want, you know, action. But people weren't really thinking about it in the terms of, of, you know, we want a movie that is engaging in you know, in a way that, that Hitchcock was, where he's really thinking about the, the camera work and he's thinking about the, the, the script and how it, how it flows from scene to scene. And you, you know, sort of the hypnosis of watching, uh, James Stewart watch, uh, you know, Madeline's character go through all these, all these, you know, daily things and sort of putting it together along with him. And I do think people were not really thinking about that at that time. I, I think, I think in in that way, you know, Hitchcock really does bring something special to to the sort of thriller genre, and I I don't think you would, um, you know, I I think I think he's he like you said he really was ahead of the curve at the time, um, and I think that shows still in in his movies. You know, I I think even someone who is maybe not. A, a straight casual, but someone who is, you know, semi-interested in films can find something about this movie and, and be interested in it. Whereas like something like Psycho, I, I do, I think there is a lot that is interesting about that movie, but I think it ages probably a bit more, um, or it has aged a bit more than this movie. Don't you think? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Definitely. And I think what's, Interesting about Hitchcock's kind of philosophy with film is that doing that for the audience at the time is probably not the easiest thing in the world uh, ever, like at any time. Sure. Uh, Even if you were trying to have that kind of philosophy making movies today, but then to have it translate you know, 70 years later for a watching audience. Right. I think that's, that's what kind of makes it impressive because I don't think it fails on that front for us when we watched it. Right. It still retains 
its excitement uh, after all this time, right? I think a good example for movies that would aim to this philosophy would be what you see with a lot of the Marvel movies uh, at a at I would say before that Endgame stuff where they have the fan service things and they're like this we're just doing something that we know the audience is gonna love and at the time when you watch it you're like this is exactly what I wanted to see I'm all about this 10 years later you're like this is you know wow like it doesn't have the same punch right um whereas Hitchcock's movies obviously fan service that whole idea of like franchises and stuff wasn't introduced but do you know what I mean what I'm trying to get yeah. at is that the philosophy is there but it's also done at a level higher above like above what like people can normally do I think the craft um, yeah it's like the craftsmanship kind of holds up whereas you know something right. like a Marvel movie um ages out of its, you know, of its era. It, it, it kind of stays in that, like, oh, you know, it was 2010, you know, people were like, eh, whatever, you know, uh, the Avengers, it was cool, but, like, you go back and watch it now, and you're like, eh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of mediocre because, I mean, for one, people, I think, I think those franchise movies, like, like a Marvel movie, you know, they're trying to, to top it the next time, you know, they're always trying to, um, to put more, you know, stars and do more action and do, you know, that kind of ramping up. Whereas Hitchcock, I think he was trying to perfect it, uh, which is kind of a different attitude. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not an attitude of, of, you know, well, you know, if people like those scenes where, where I reveal something, I'm going to reveal lots of things, you know, all the time. It's a, it's an attitude of how do I most effectively, um, deliver this with the most punch uh, you know and that's what's going to keep people uh coming back to see my movies you know and i think i think he was really the master of you know people say he was the master of suspense and uh in some ways that's true but i think he was the master of um of of thrill and thrill i think is you're right uh that you know i associate thrill with something like a like a roller coaster, you know, it's a, it's a thrill ride. And, and I do think he was, uh, he was probably the best at it, you know, of, of, you know, thrilling you in, in these, you know, particular scenes. So, um, but, and I think it's, it's connecting, right. It's connecting those thrills one after the Mm -hmm. other in some kind of strange cohesive way. I, my my mind is cracked out on caffeine right now because I decided to have Red Bull today, which I like never do. Um, and I can't stop thinking of this dumb analogy that's probably not going to help you if you're listening to this, but it makes sense in my mind. Where I think of a like somebody hitting a home run, and if that wows the audience, right? Like a Marvel studio would say, "Well, we just need a bigger ball with a bigger like bat." And then we're going to hit a massive home run, right? Where I think like Hitchcock's connection to the the thrill is like, okay, you like the home run, but you didn't see where the ball went. And the ball flew all the way to the moon where there were aliens, you know? <laughs> and then the aliens start playing baseball. And, you know, like yeah. there's something about it where it like rolls into the next thing that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's where like 
Hitchcock succeeds. It's an undeniable craftsmanship uh, instead of it just being like a cheap thrill, which I I feel like an old movie could probably feel like a cheap thrill. And that's how you feel watching, uh, you know, <laughs> a 10 year old Marvel movie. Right. <laughs> sure, um, sure. And so. Yeah, I, I, I want to give it like high praise for that effectiveness, right? I just, um, I think, I think that that is like what I give it, you know, it's like, that's it. You know, I don't know if there's anything more to it. And, um, I still feel like, like it's still an, an old film, but it's a really good one. I have, but, and the reason I phrase it that way is because I've watched old movies that instantly don't feel like old movies. Yeah. You know, I think that's yeah. where it's, that's where I'm at now, where I'm like, oh, now I know that like there's like that next, next level. And just for reference, I looked up the Billy Wilder movies that we watched. And my, like, I, the one thing I always think about with Wilder is the apartment, but I forgot. <laughs> what other movies he directed. Sure. <laughs> like you forget, like you look at the list and you're like, wow, wow. This guy, like <laughs> you, you, you know, you, I guess you're not supposed to compare anything, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I agree. I, so, I, I am a, a, a deep lover of Wilder. I've, you know, said that I, th- I do think he's my favorite director. So, you know, it is, I mean, I, I you know, Obviously, as kind of a Hitchcock noob, uh, Hitchcock is not my favorite director. Uh, not to say that he couldn't be in the future. I just don't have as much knowledge of him that I do of Wilder. And so um, it it does feel weird because I'm like, yeah, you know, I <laughs> I probably would rather watch The Apartment than uh, than than Vertigo. But to be fair, Vertigo was really entertaining, and I I do think I will be thinking about it um for 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 a while and i'm i'm interested because i i do think we're gonna go deeper into into hitchcock i think we're gonna do a little a little dive together um we'll be learning about someone together isn't that interesting i don't think we've ever done that before sure yeah i think i think i feel that leaning but i'm still not convinced Mm -hmm. with him because we watched psycho and i was like i take it or leave it you know, like yeah, I've got yeah. kind of like I I remember watching it and I was like, you know, that was a movie. Which, and it to be felt, fair, I think you did do that about about Wilder too, at the beginning. No, I don't remember saying that. I think Double I Indemnity, you were like, eh, yeah, it's okay. Double Indemnity, I still stand by that. That's not the movie that makes me go, whoa. Yeah, okay? I know, but but you had watched Sunset Boulevard before. Yes, and no, the, no, 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 Sunset Boulevard, I hadn't seen. No, that was the that was like the third episode of the show. No, I know. I know. The third episode, we watched it. Oh, yes. And yes. I, re- Sorry, I remember I, I thinking, yeah, I, I remember thinking uh, I wasn't so sure about it. Looking back on it, I'm like, now that's a crazy movie. Yeah. Like, it's that a gra- movie it's a is great nuts, movie. right? Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, what was what was the movie that I really liked? Um, Apartment. We watched Ace in the Hole. Uh, we watched Whit- Ace in the Hole. I think about all the time. Me too. Oh I my goodness! Like Ace in the Hole is one of those movies that you're just like, what? How has nobody talked about this? Film? But I think no. the one that turned it around for you was Witness for the Prosecution. Oh my gosh, that is like, 
That is like the one of the greats. I I really am like Witness for the Prosecution <laughs> is a fantastic movie, and I never said it wasn't fantastic. No, yeah, okay? you from the beginning you you were you were you know super hot on that movie. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, and and I think that really dampered Ace in the Hole for me. Um, but I still I will say like looking back, Ace in the Hole, I'm like whoa, that movie's fantastic too. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I just I feel like I'm still in that early phase with Hitchcock where Psycho is take it or leave it. This movie, I'm a I'm feeling a little more like warmed up with it. I'm like, okay, I kind of like where this is going. I just don't know if we'll ever if if I'll ever get like what I'm looking for um, from from Hitchcock. And maybe I'm just I don't know. Maybe maybe I just need to sit back and enjoy it. But. Um, yeah, I just I I I th- I'm not entirely sure why I feel like there should be more. Hmm. Uh, maybe there is and maybe the, it's just, you know, we need we need more time to sit with it. You know, we need more or more examples of of Hitchcock doing his uh doing his thing. And I I do possibly think- possibly, but you just quoted him for saying, I don't know, it's a movie. <laughs> You know, it's so like, so there's a, there's a side of me that's like, that's kind of what I was getting. You know, I get it. It's a movie, you know? Yeah. Um, which there's nothing wrong with, I will say, you know, I don't want to say that as a knock because I, I'm a big believer and we've talked about that on this, on this show where I'm a big believer in making movies that are pure, purely entertaining if they are purely entertaining, if that makes sense. And I do think I do think this movie Vertigo was very entertaining for me, um, so I I will give him that. I I have no I have no problem having him make a movie that is um, excellent in its craftsmanship because it's so um, you know just you know, pure pure thrill ride the whole time. I have no problem with that personally. I agree, and I'm going to say the most <laughs> casual thing ever. Okay. But it's an old movie, okay? And it feels like an old sure, movie. Sure. All right. And so like you can say, like, oh, entertainment for entertainment's sake. The first movie I think of when you say that is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> and you know which one I'm picking, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, like it's like you know which movie you would like almost rather watch. If I think about entertainment for entertainment's sake, there's a long list of movies before Psycho. It's usually not gonna right? be a or not psycho, a 50s, whatever we just want. A 50s yeah. movie. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um and so that's kind of where I'm stuck with it because I'm like, man, it is good. And it's really good for a 50s movie too. And it's really good for as, as a film. But it's, it's, it's just old, you know? <laughs> like I, I do think like there's just that thing where it's like, like it's not, it's not like, because I've watched old movies that are like, they're not only are they old, but they're really meaningful or they... Uh, they're, they have something about them that's very spirited, um, even if they miss steps. I think uh, another movie I think about that we watched was like, uh, what was it called? Red River or something? Is that yeah, right? great movie. Um, Red River, I feel like, is one of those films that isn't perfect. You know, it, it, it is kind of, it does suffer like the old movie kind of thing. Um, but there's a spirit about it that, and a story behind it that makes you feel more invested than I felt during this film. Mm. Um, and, and, and I walked away from it, 
uh, feeling more invested as well. And so this could be just a personal preference thing. It could be that I missed something. Um, but Cameron, I think we should get into spoilers. Yes. I, I think we should talk about some of these roller coaster hills. It is an old film. Most I feel like some people won't care, but I do want to say if you have some interest, if I haven't bashed it enough, or you're interested in Hitchcock, I don't think you should um, skip this one. I, I do think that if you're already driven to watch, want, want to explore Hitchcock films, I th- and, or the San Francisco draw, um, Technicolor, it's beautiful. Yeah, I will say, um, as a, um, like I said before, as a San Franciscan or a Bay Area person, um, that really was a special element that I wasn't expecting. And I know oh, yeah. we've talked a, a bit about movies that are sort of, um, we love movies kind of set in San Francisco and that use San Francisco as a, as a backdrop a little bit. Um, and this one, I think I'm adding to my list of movies that use, you know, like for me, that's like Zodiac and th- those kinds of movies that use San Francisco and use the Bay area as, as a backdrop and as, uh, more than just a location really kind of elegantly use, um, use you know the 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 city and the surrounding areas i did want to mention too um such a sad moment in this movie for me personally was um they go to uh big basin they go to the redwoods um, right and there's a moment where they're looking at the at the tree um that's been there forever and ever Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and that tree that, you know, it's it's a little diagram of of the thousand years of you know they slice down the middle and they see the rings of this tree, um, and it's basically a thousand years of history uh, in the rings of this of this tree, and um, that tree actually burned down uh, two years ago. Um, so it's a really sad, it's a time capsule for sure, but it's a really sad moment for me seeing that on screen. Dang. I didn't know that, Cameron. Yeah, I know. Because I've seen that that chart before. Yeah, it, I've interacted with yeah, that. it. That's really cool. It, That's really cool. It bur- yeah, it burned down. There was a huge fire. Um, yeah, the orange days yeah. during COVID. Yes, yes. The apoc- where the, where the uh, apocalypse was upon yeah, us. Everyone exactly. thought we were going to die. Um, yeah. And so that that tree diagram is no longer there, which, which really Dang, depresses wow. me. It makes me wow. super sad. Also, like I was saying, one of those moments in the movie where I thought, you know, there's like that inkling of of something deeper about heritage, and you know, they mm-hmm. they do they do have a, a cool uh, thing going on with that for a while. But as we'll get into some of these spoilers, right? Like it's kind of uh, Hollywooded away. Um, so that's not even a in a fun good way, adjective. but adjective. yes, yeah, in a fun way, in a fun way. So let's get into it, right? Um, I just want to say from twists, the opening moments of a dude falling off the roof, very sporadic, right? Yeah. Into his catches your uh, into, catches your attention for sure. Yeah, you're like, okay, what what the heck's going on? Then all of a sudden, you're gonna follow my wife who's possessed. And you're like, wait, you're like, what? Okay. You know, you're watching all this right. movie. You're like, okay, <laughs> all right, I'm I'm in it. Sure. Um then the movie shifts into some strange romance, um, which I think in the fifties might have seemed, uh, I don't know, like something about falling in love with someone's wife. Like it might've been a little, yeah, kind of like, risque. Like, yeah. Kind of risque for the fifties. Especially, I think that, that, you know, there's that moment where he saves her from, uh, drowning in or drowning in the in right. bay. 
Um, and he brings her her home to his apartment. Uh, and, you know, say, similar kind of situation, I guess. Uh, uh, isn't there that moment in the apartment where she she uh, overdoses, I think? Right, you know, right. There's, there's that kind of a similar scene between them where, where they're kind of um, caretakers now of of this uh this woman who's had a a very poor accident happen to her or so it seems um yeah it's a little i mean i think watching it now you're kind of like all right that's a little rapey you know like the way (laughs) but it's i don't know it's strange yeah well i was gonna i was gonna kind of bring that up because there's there's a couple moments in the film that i don't think really behavior wise (laughs) I don't think really flies yeah. nowadays. Yeah. But to to be fair, she, he he saves her, um, and it's kind of it's a little weird. You know, she obviously wakes up and she you know he takes off her clothes and whatnot because you know she was she's wet and you know that's that's never good. You don't want to leave her in wet clothes, obviously. Uh, but it is it is a little weird, you know. And there is that kind of. You can tell that she's like a little bit annoyed or suspicious or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like a there's nothing visual. It's just like, like she's like in in the bed and she's like, wait, where are my clothes? You know, which I feel like I've seen happen in other movies, but it's usually like a a sex reversal. Like it's usually like the guy being like, actually, it's one movie. I'm thinking about Get Smart with Steve (laughs) Carell. So maybe that's a reference to this movie. <laughs> maybe. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> you know, I just uh, it's yeah, it, it's a little weird, but I think in context of some of the twists. Right. Right. Maybe it makes more sense. Right, exactly. But um, but, uh, you know, and and so uh, they have that moment. They do kind of fall in love. I think there is something a little bit. um if not risque, there's there's probably a certain amount of taboo about uh, things that are going on, and I I do think Hitchcock is someone who, um, like Wilder, is kind of pushing pushing some of the boundaries uh, around cens- censorship of the time, and I think, right. I think this movie totally is. Um, it's not graphic or anything. It's there's nothing you know that bad in the movie but i do think it's pretty serious there's some there's some sure interesting you know moments of of like oh wow that's actually kind of um kind of uh, intense yeah or dark for, yeah for the 50s yeah no i definitely i mean from uh, <laughs> possession murder suicide right and they're not just things that are talked about, but they're things that you're like kind of watching without it being like super gross or anything mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, yeah, no, I definitely think that the movie is dark. And I think uh, there's another interesting element that is very modern, actually, to to um, you know bring bring that up again. I guess um, he has like a kind of a, I guess like a childhood best friend. Um, who they're kind of like semi dating. There's like a weird tension uh, between them and and a little bit like a, a, of a love triangleness to it. Um, and I do think that that still, um, you know, she she's like very successful. She's got her own, uh, you know, she's a 
fashion designer or whatever else. And, you know, there's something kind of interesting about her character as being um, almost like uh, not boyish, but she has like an interesting element of of being the best friend who is kind of shunned. Um, but it's not in a it's not in like a. 80s movie kind of way you know what i mean like it feels mm-hmm. very her character feels very real and like a very you know kind of a um a, a real person who you who you do actually genuinely feel for in the movie i i always like that that moment where she she kind of drives by um and she's like oh wow well okay i guess i guess that's that's what you've been doing you know there's something kind of sad about about that moment where you're like, oh man, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I I feel for her a, a little bit because um, she's you know along with James Stewart's character, she is the kind of the first person to be introduced as a character in the movie. You know, you're you're rooting for her in some ways, um, right? But yeah, as we go along, I guess um, it's about an hour in or maybe an hour 20 in ish. Um, they go and visit. So the reason why she's afflicted, I guess, um, she has this kind of dual memory or so, so it seems she has this dual memories of, of being, uh, you know, back at a a Spanish villa basically. And, uh, you know, living in an alternate life as, as someone else, um, named, uh, Caroline, Carolina, or something—I I don't remember the name—but she she basically is imagining or uh, feeling that she's she's um, someone who's lived in in the eighteen hundreds, um, and so he he is going through that with her and kind of you know he falls in love eventually with 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 this woman and um, so he's trying to help her with what seems like kind of just a mental. Um, a mental issue, you know, she seems to be having going through sort of an episode where she can't get, um, she can't get this out of her head. She can't get the thought of, uh, you know, being someone else out of her head. Um, and this other person, you know, ended up, uh, committing suicide at age 26. And so that's kind of this, uh, this connection where he's, he's really trying to save her from, uh, going down the path that, that this other woman did and he believes it he he genuinely believes it too and i think you as an audience um tend to genuinely believe it right i mean i didn't i didn't get any sort of false notions uh from the very beginning of the movie did you no 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 and and all the way up to the mission scene where the body falls like you're still convinced Mm -hmm. right um i think that was like when that happened, the movie kind of goes into this slump. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, let's just have this movie be over and it doesn't end. Right. Um, and that's where like, it kind of really begins to spiral because the, um, the detective starts, you know, seeing women around him that he's kind of interested in. And then he runs into this woman or he keeps seeing her ghost. Yeah. Quote, quote, yeah. Right. Uh, in different locations where they've had these interactions. Uh, and I think that was kind of a, um, again, the idea of someone passing away and still being there, right? Kind of interesting. Um, I, but he meets a... Oh, well, ahead. I was going to say, before that happens, I love... There's kind of that um, really weird sequence where um, 
you know, he's having a dream. There's like animation and it goes into different colors. And there's like this, this, I love that, that uh, semi-experimental sequence. I think it's really interesting. It was kind of, I was like, oh yeah, this is cute. You know, (laughs) like, I mean, to go like just obviously visual effects come a long way, but um, it definitely seems very beginner obviously it has to be right but you watch then you watch a movie like like from kubrick later and you're like wow you know even (laughs) today right even today you're like wow so um yeah i I do think it was kind of cool you know there's some experimentation there um but the movie moves along he's in that slump then he meets a woman that looks a lot like her then you find out through a twist that it is her um, and she is alive. And you're like, wait, what? How is she alive? Which is a great reveal, and too. That shot where where he kind of she he leaves the apartment. Right. Um, and then it kind of just just I think it just creeps in on her and it goes the the lights behind her go go dark. And then, um, you know, you kind of put it together that like it is her. Um, and it has like a flashback sequence and yeah, I don't know how he was able to make you realize it and you not see it before as well. It's kind of a mind trip. Yeah. Because because she doesn't look like she does. She does a little bit and you know, it's played by Kim Novak, but you kind of don't know that it is until you put it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It is very strange because it is the same actress, yeah. <laughs> just in a different outfit and a different garb, right? And so then this is where the movie really starts to kind of go off the rails, right? <laughs> you find out that she uh, was paid by the husband to pretend to be his wife, and she was meant to have him believe this because the husband knew that he wouldn't be able to follow her up to the top of the stairs where she jumps and commits suicide because of the vertigo thing. So it ties it back to the beginning of the movie. You're like, wow, what a nice tying of the bow, right? Great way to connect that. Cause I was wondering where that was going to come in. Right. So she makes it up to the top and the big reveal is like, she opens the hatch door and her, and the husband is there holding his real wife and he throws the real wife over the edge and he was like, good job. You know, you're a great actress or whatever. Uh, so that's the big twist. So now she's like, shoot, uh, this guy is um, like found me out. And then there's this weird element where she still like l- she still loves him, even though it was the gig. And she actually always like loved him. Right. But she was acting and having a front. Uh, but she- so she's going to try to make it work. And the whole time, there's like this really uh, messed up relationship where he's trying to make her look like yeah, uh, it's really the creepy. woman that he, <laughs> it is really creepy. It's really like weird how he like changes, <laughs> and he's like, "You just need to look just like this person," you know. My favorite moment um, of that is she goes like, "You're already kind of pushed past the point where you're like, oh, this is so gross. This is like disturbing." Um, like, why is he doing this? Basically, he's he's transforming her into to being more like like Madeline, um, where, you know, you know that she is actually Madeline, but but obviously he doesn't know. Um, and then there's that moment where 
where he has her get her hair done. Um, and then she comes back and it's not done to the right um, style. <laughs> she, and she knows it, right? Yes, yes. And you know that she knows. Um, and he says, please, like, do this for me, basically. Um, that's my that's my favorite moment of, of it because it's like, one is it is it's so disappointing because you you know that she wants she wants to get out of looking just like you know Madeline. But for one, it's I mean it's probably a safety issue. You don't want to go around looking like the the woman that you that you killed. You know that's probably not great. Um, but then also it, it you know she does have that genuine emotion of. Um, being like, why can't you just like me as I am? Because because she is in love with with James Stewart's character, um, but it's it you know she personally is, but Madeline is the one that he's he's looking for, and so there's that heartbreak of of her being um, interested in him and or in her being you know in love with him, but. But her, but he is, is longing for her really, uh, but he doesn't know it. And he's, he's thinking about someone else. You know, it's a very strange sort of doubly ironic, um, you know, dramatic twist in this, in this later quarter of the movie, which I just find so, um, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. And I love, um, after, so she, she walks in. Um, and she's, she's redone her hair, you know, to the same exact specifications and then they, they kiss and the, the camera rotates around and it, it, the lights dim and they, um, rotate in their back in, uh, in the stable, you know, the last time that he, he kissed her before. And it's right, such right. a, such just a beautiful, a beautiful camera work moment, but so sinister in it's, it's you know what it what it implies you know it's just something so um hauntingly beautiful i feel like i loved i loved that that whole moment it's really interesting yeah no it it, it was cool um cameron you're gonna have to help me out with the plot because i don't actually know when he finds out or how he finds yeah, out so about her i don't remember so he um after that sequence, after, you know, the, the kiss and she, um, you know, they, she feels accepted by him, you know, and she's, she's very happy. And so, you know, they're going to go out to dinner. They're going to go out to Eddie's, which is the place that they, you know, he first initially saw her. And then she puts on the necklace, uh, that, uh, the lady is wearing in the portrait who she pretended to be. Right, right. And he sees the necklace, and that's when he puts it together. Um, and so after that moment, you know, there's that kind of great, there's that great dolly in where it zooms in and, and you know, he remembers that necklace on the painting. Um, and after that, he drives to to the mission again. And at that point, you still think that he's kind of a little bit crazy, you know, that he's he's like still going through something. And then as he is basically dragging her up the stairs up to the bell tower, um, he reveals that he 
he knows that that she's still alive because of the necklace um and so that that's when he that's when it, it, it kind of clicks that he's he's put it together at that point. Yeah, and he's like definitely full villain mode at this point, you know, like he's, Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I thought the ending of the movie was pretty funny. Like I I didn't really understand like what happened. Like it would be too dark if he like pushed her off the edge, you know. Yeah, well I think I think there's something, well for one censorship wise i don't think he would that would have been able to to happen <laughs> um but i do think um i think there is a sort of dramatic irony or you know th- there's just something a little bit poetic about her her you know dying in the same way um i do think that you know whether or not it's it's silly it's a silly moment or whatever um uh, i guess maybe but but i do think there's something um, you know, that rounds out her story as kind of getting what, what came to her. Aiding in the murder of, you know, this this woman pretending to be her and then continuing to pretend to be her, you know, by you know, because he she's in love, you know, this sort of selfishness of she had a moment, there was a you know, a little thing where she writes she writes a letter to him, you know, basically confessing. Um, and so she has a moment before that where, um, she could have absolved herself or she could have come clean, you know, and, and not use this to her advantage, but, you know, being, she, she was for one selfish and, and wanted to, you know, continue to have him. And then, you know, at the same time, she probably felt well it's weird because you you get the sense that she feels less bad about um <laughs> about killing or aiding in the killing of of you know this guy's wife and feels more um interested in in him and like winning his his approval and so she'll go along with this kind of disgusting display of uh, you know, pr- pretending to be the person that you you helped kill, which you know makes does make her a villain. You know, it really does, and so I do think it. You know, it befits her um, this ending where she accidentally steps off the roof <laughs> and falls falls to the same death. <laughs> right, right. I I I think what's weird to me is that the actress has a presence that's very innocent. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a really interesting complexity to her. Um, or at least the casting was just right. Um, she reminds me of a, uh, of a friend, um, that Jules and I know, you know, uh, I don't know if you got to meet, um, Caleb's fiance. Uh, yeah, I know. but I don't know, I know why it like, there's like that little connection for me. Um, and so just personally, I was like, I don't know why, like you don't hate her. When really no, you, you kind of yeah. should, uh, which I think is in, it, it's it's just surprising uh, for a character that you know. As a matter, of, I think you're kind of more hard on the on the crazy guy at the end. Just as an audience member, when you leave, you're like that guy is really messed up, <laughs> and it's not messed up because he it's not messed up because he's dragging him to the top of the thing. It's messed up because 
he's doing like the weird, creepy boyfriend thing where you're like you have to look like my ex. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the weird part. One hundred percent. That's the weirdest 100%. part about it. And and so, that's done before the before he knows, um, <laughs> before he knows like the truth about her. So it it is it is very uh, strange because you're right. Like he he becomes sort of a a disturbed version of himself. Someone who you do actually genuinely like in the beginning. Um, right. And, and I think James Stewart, you know, uh, I think Hitchcock complained after this movie kind of bombed uh, that James Stewart was t- too old and that's why the movie didn't do well. Even mm. though, even though Stewart like was kind of one of his major, um, you know, actors, like he was a go-to for him. Uh, so they they did ha- have kind of a following after after this movie didn't do so well, um, but you know, even still, even if Hitchcock complained about him being too old, he is charming. He's a charming guy. He's, um, you know, he's pretty funny, and he has he has these interactions, especially with the with the friend Midge, um, who she again she is like. She's so the the person you're like you're like why are you so obsessed with with this crazy woman basically you know why are you so obsessed with this woman who um <laughs> who is leading you on so hard like you you want him to 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 stay away and and kind of but you know essentially uh like like Midge is the the person who he's compatible with like normally, you know what I mean? But then he has right, this, right. this like kind of love obsession. Like, like, I, I don't know what it is, but there's this, this sort of like switch that's turned on in him, um, you know, at, at a certain point where he just has no, <laughs> you know, no ability to, to, to feel anything, you know, anything else, but this kind of gross obsession to someone who, who died, um, presumably, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that definitely wraps up everything that happens in the movie, Cameron. Yes, it does. Talking about it out loud, I feel like my opinions have not changed too much reflecting on it, although there are little clever bits that come forward. I think they're um, incredible to look at from a distance and on paper. Um, And, like, in discussion, I don't know if it, like makes my viewing experience like more like in love with it. Maybe it's a second watch kind of movie that you're like, wow, you love it even more. How are you? Uh, after this conversation, Cameron, you sound more positive on uh, Hitchcock than I've ever heard. Yeah, so. no, I, I, I am. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, it did everything that I wanted it to do where, you know, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it, uh, it had twists. It had sort of a, the dramatic flair that you want from from an older movie. I unlike you, um, I I feel like the the drama and sort of the um, the like sen- sentimental love story elements of older movies. I kind of like that. You know, I I think um, I think there is something a little bit missing about that that kind of. Um, I, what is it? It's it's like a romance, uh, or a, um, you know, a it's it's almost like a belief in love, 
that's so weird to say, but I, but I think that's that's kind of what it is. There's a belief in love in these older movies where it's like, yeah, you believe that he just is so in love with this woman who's dead um, that he's he's just going to try to recreate that experience. Um, and you know, there's something there's something compelling about that. And and I think I think even as um, like we're we're very cynical. I think modern audiences are very cynical towards that idea, um, which I appreciate in these older movies because I think there is something, um, something inexplicable about that kind of attitude. Um, so I, I do like that, but, uh, to me, I love the, the, the thrills in this movie and, and sort of the twists and turns and, um, everything was was so sharp and and kind of uh you know it it kept me on my like it, it, it was unexpected for me i didn't i didn't know why mm. uh i didn't know what what the the next turn was especially sort of halfway through the movie when she dies and you're like what <laughs> you know you're like what <laughs> like that's you know there's something there's something kind of crazy about that uh you know for for that kind of older movie so I loved it. I, I was I was really impressed. So I um I think this movie is is really good. If if this conversation sparked to give it a shot, I definitely think the San Francisco thing is a big pull for me. Um and yeah, I mean I, I, I recommend it. I don't think you need to run to see it. I don't think you you must see this like ASAP. I just I don't know. Positive, good. And I'm ready for a Hitchcock movie that's gonna be like Whoa, you know, I'm waiting. For yeah, that. I wonder if Rear Window is going to be the one because that's what I've always heard. I've always heard Rear Window is like incredible, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not gonna, not gonna hype it up too much because you know who, who, <laughs> who knows. Um, and you know when you do that, it's always dangerous. But I, I am excited. Uh, another James Stewart, um, movie. And, uh, okay. You know, he, he, uh, um, he's someone who is very, uh, tied with, um, with Hitchcock, but I don't know if you've ever seen, have you ever seen Mr. Smith goes to Washington? No. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's Mr. Smith in that movie. So, um, that's a, that's a Capra classic Capra movie. Uh, but it's a, it's a really good, one. I'm surprised actually that you haven't seen it. Cause I think I had to watch it for like, uh, U S history or something. I, I don't know. I watched it for, for something. Um, and it's great, but have you ever seen any, I, any other James Stewart movies? I don't know. I have a really hard time recognizing old people. <laughs> old act actors and actresses. I think like basically the only one I could really identify is like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, at this point, what about Gary Cooper, but he's got no, like I couldn't picture okay. it. Um, like I guess, I guess if Clint Eastwood would be in that, like obviously yeah. very iconic. I think Humphrey Bogart's like eyes, like they're just droopy, like droopy dog yeah. eyes is like, on it's just you can't forget it um, how could i forget though actually um james stewart uh is 
Have you, you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? Oh no way, no way, really. He's in it. Yeah, he's uh, he he's the main character. Okay, well that explains a lot. Sometimes I'm like, man, all these old people look the same because I was watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um, at least the beginning of it this week. I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't finish it, um, but it's been a while since I've seen it, and uh, I was really enjoying it. But I was saving that for you know a few weeks from it. Um, but I was like, dang, these old people all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. He's younger. A lot younger than that. Though. Yeah. That was uh, forty-six or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. You can yeah. tell. Um, I'm trying to think of another actor that I like recognize from old movies. I think um the guy from Ace in a in the Hole, like Kirk Douglas. He. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Yeah, he's yeah. got a classic can, a classic look to him, doesn't he? He's cool. He is really he is really a cool yeah. guy. When you're watching him on screen, he carries that charisma into the even into modern times. You know and we I mean? watched um uh uh the other classic Kirk Douglas film, uh the World War One movie. What what is that one called? Um uh that's the, that was a really Kubrick good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm so close. It's on the I tip know. of my tongue. I'm looking Me it too. up. Paths of yes, Glory. Paths yeah. of Glory. He watched Paths of Glory. Or we we watched that before we watched Ace in the Hole. So that was kind of your, you know, original introduction to uh, to to Kirk Douglas. But he he just he has that. It's weird. He has like a face um, of you know, like kind of just a strong classic Hollywood face. It's like a, like a De Niro or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I can see that actually. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I'm like looking at some of his other movies now and I'm yeah. like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if there's anything else that I should see. 20,000 leagues under the sea, man. I feel like I've seen this movie. Mm. I'm not sure why. Yeah, maybe. Disney. Disney. It's a sci-fi Disney movie. Man. Did you ever read the book? It's a book. No. No, but feeling some Bioshock energy from that, you know? (laughs) Takes place, I think, in a submarine. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I have totally seen this movie. I know I've seen this movie. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> nah, uh, mm, mm. I I have totally seen this movie. I must have. Seen I don't think movie. I've seen the movie version of it, but I I have um I have read the book. Jules Verne. I can't. You know, classic. Yes. You know what? Maybe I. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that makes sense. I think I've read the book and watched the movie. <laughs> 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 it sounds like a yeah yeah. Yeah, this looks like a school movie I had oh, to watch. Yeah, probably. I bet. It's probably why I've completely deleted it from my mind. Oh, wow. The submarine does not look very, very good nowadays. <laughs> I'm just looking at these. Hey, I these hate. Dude, I freaking hate the ocean, dude. This is so scary. <laughs> this is like this is like a horror movie. Dude. It is. What well, is it is this? a little bit because, um, I mean, I remember even the book. There's, you know, there's the giant squid. Uh, you know, they get, there's, you know, it's a scary 
It's a scary. I'm so scary freaked book. out by dark, deep water. It's because we I both played about... uh, Mario 64 when we were kids, okay? Oh, yeah, that was creepy. But, like, did you ever... I remember I had a, this traumatic experience <laughs> as a child where I was watching... I think I was not old enough to watch The Fellowship of the Ring. I totally watched the scene where, oh, he like, goes into they're the skipping swamp. rocks. Oh. No, they're skipping rocks on the on the dark water uh, before the Mines of Moria. Oh, yeah. There's that yeah, tentacle yeah, yeah. monster. And I remember just That's thinking, in the extended oh, cut, isn't it? Oh well, that's the only version my dad oh, right, watches. Okay. So. <laughs> extended or uh, extended or die. So. I I kind of agree. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't. That's not in the actual theatrical. Uh oh, you know what? Maybe it is because that's how they get in. Wait, uh, but I thought. Come on. Uh, I thought that was no. It's got to be because it's in the video game. Oh, it's in the Fellowship okay. of the Ring <laughs> video game. It's got to be in the yeah, theatrical release. Right. I think I've only seen the theatrical cut like once or twice, and so the rest of the times I've seen the extended cut. I thought there was a scene yeah. right before uh, the Mines of Moria that was cut from the theatrical version. I thought there was, but I know mm. there's. I know there's a no. You know that that scene must be must be in it because they they have that scene where they're guessing the the entrance code. Right, that's the scene. Uh, they like have the yeah, question. But, they're yeah, like, yes. What? You know, they're they're like thinking about it. And they're yeah, they're skipping the rocks. And then what? What is it that comes out of the water? Just like this disgusting-looking tentacle monster. <laughs> Actually, dude, like if you look it up, it is just horrifying. It is like, especially the artwork for it is just like yikes. <laughs> I don't know. I can't handle. It. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I gotta look. Uh, I gotta. I gotta look at this monster and have more nightmares. I've had so many nightmares about this thing. <laughs> what is that? Is it a brain? Some brain in the water? Don't like it. I do not like that. I gotta watch that movie again. It's been a while. I'm gonna watch that film. Ah, what a good movie! What a good movie. Um. Well, we were sp- we were supposed to stop recording a while. Eh, whatever. Though, Kevin, so, whatever. All right. Well, we post every Tuesday, or at least we try to. Thank you for your patience. Uh, Cameron and I were just enjoying the Thanksgiving weekend and everything. Uh, that was last weekend, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we were a little delayed on this, um, but we try to post every Tuesday. So you can be here next week for... Rear Window. The rear Window. That's it. All right, Cameron. I'll see you then. And for the rest of you, you'll hear us then. Sorry, hit the wrong button. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.